Let me introduce you to the elements. Hey, you, I heard you shining, but I got that gold membership. I rose from the bush like Valentine's petals from an unstable family of alkaline metals. Hitting prime time like Channel 5 specials, and I never handle rocks like Palestine rebels with pebbles. The antics and antiquities and Mr. Steve's always got a trick up my sleeve. Miss, please, ancient magic or witchcraft. Skip class, and I barely just passed. A young grasshopper that's trying to switch pads. She trying to get bent like light when it hits glass bong smoke got me blazed as hell burning weight like them 47 j's i scale you can tell by the amazing smell and my eyes stay tight like i'm asian wow my man dirty had the booty just to put me in the right yeah Never die as long as we got real shows like this holding us down. Yeah. Yeah. What up, That struggle to live with dignity is the real story of the Shining City. And it's a story, ladies and gentlemen, that I didn't read in a book or learn in a classroom. I saw it and lived it like many of you. I watched a small man with thick calluses on both his hands work 15 and 16 hours a day. I saw him once literally bleed from the bottoms of his feet. A man who came here uneducated, alone, unable to speak the language, who taught me all I needed to know about faith and hard work by the simple eloquence of his example. I learned about our kind of democracy from my father, and I learned about our obligation to each other from him and my mother. They asked only for a chance to work and to make the world better for their children. What up, this what is up, Frank Pinello from Best Pizza, Pizza in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, and you're listening to NW3 Radio with Peter Oasis and Don McX. New York City, you are listening to NW3 Radio right here on WNYU, 89.1 FM New York, also broadcasting on WNYU.org worldwide. This is Tharmic X, as you're accustomed to hearing every Wednesday nights, 9 to 10.30. Um... And normally, you would be hearing the voice of Peter Oasis to my left. Um, but yo, I'm sick. <laughs> what happened to your voice, Peter? I'm sick. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's that cold that's got everybody... Uh... Trains are running. <laughs> yes. Uh, Peter is actually, for the first time since March, not here in the studio, which Late. is impressive. Impressive for him. I'm actually surprised he hasn't missed a week before this. But he is on the way. As as those in New York City know, it is freezing, and that has slowed down train services. So he is running late, but we have he will be here, and we have plenty to talk about, of course. In the meantime, as you notice, there is somebody else in the studio with me, and he is our guest, uh, a good friend of Peter's, and, and somebody I've gotten to know, especially... Uh, as before the show started, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> he chatted a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you introduce there's, there's yourself? A camaraderie man. between brown people in yes, this business. Of course, as there should be. Uh, my name is Joseph Patel. I used to go by the name Jazbo way back, way back, way back when. <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Long overdue. I like that you have a drop from a local pizza place. Yes, we have like to. rappers and local pizza places giving you drops for your show. That's tight. That's what we do here at NW3 Radio. <laughs> yeah, Frank came through, actually. We did a whole series with him, like an interview thing with him, which will be coming out soon. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty pretty Good pizza, too. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, um, we as you know, we got music. Um, we'll have much more conversation with Joseph. With with uh, do you, do you go by? So you don't go by Jazzbo anymore. I only the only people that call me Jazzbo anymore are people who knew me in the nineties. Gotcha. Because gotcha. I'm old. Yes. <laughs> and people, I used to write under the name Jazzbo. I used to DJ under the name Jazzbo. I had a record label under the name Jazzbo. Jazzbo Records. No, it was Soul Sides Records. Okay. But I was referred to as Jazzbo on there. So people who know me from that era. But then one day I realized I was an adult. <laughs> I should probably go by my real name. It's not even my real name, but my my adult name, Joseph. Fair so, enough. Yeah, fair enough. When was when when did you reach adulthood? Like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> uh, I don't. You know, like it's. I don't know. Sometime in when you're like in your late twenties, you realize you don't want sophisticated women that you meet <laughs> and are dating to, to, to refer to you by a one word moniker 
right? That seems like a cartoon name. So you just, you know, and I was writing for magazines still, so I wanted my my real name in print. So fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. So that's Joseph, and uh, we will get back into the conversation with him, and hopefully Peter. Let's see if he is texting me in a minute actually he hasn't but hopefully that's a sign that he's on the train and it is underground so that means he should be here shortly so in the meantime we will get back into the music and for those who want to call the number is 212-998-1818 once again that's 212-998-1818 you can call us I think later on in the show as we tend to do we'll take callers live but for now if you're just interested in chatting off the air we're more than welcome to take your calls um and before we go back into the music we've got a PSA of course PSAs I love PSAs yes in the fight against serious diseases like cancer self-confidence can be a crucial weapon cancer but chemotherapy treatment can weaken a cancer patient's self-esteem and energy levels self-esteem look good Feel Better offers a free program that helps improve the self-image, appearance, and quality of life of people undergoing cancer treatment through beauty technique lessons, active learning in groups, or one-on-one sessions held in hospitals and community centers throughout America. For more information, visit lookgoodfeelbetter.org. That's lookgoodfeelbetter, all one word, dot org. This has been a public service from WNYU. Stick around, we got lots of music here, and of course, rest in peace to Stuart Scott. Before we announce the NBA Rookie of the Year, gotta drop some knowledge. Vince Carter's late season 360 dunk was not really a 360. Let me show you. Most guys do a true 360. They start to their right, completing the circle, slamming it. Vince basically did like a 450. He started the other way, went all the way around before ripping the rim. Now, that's not why he's the Rookie of the Year. And his early season baseline, bring it down your ankles, dunk on the Pacers is not why. Uh, neither is his climb up the Kimbe, throw one down in his grill. No, Vince won the Rookie of the Year for leading all rookies with 18.3 points per game. But he probably received 113 out of a possible 118 votes because of the dunks. You are listening to the sounds of NW3 Radio right here on WNYU 89.1 FM New York. Also broadcasting on WNYU.org. That last joint you heard was uh, Homeboy Sandman and Blue, produced by Blue. It's called Sun Showers. That's off Homeboy Sandman is the Sandman, a random album that came out at the end of the year. And normally I don't backtrack. We we haven't really been doing that backtracking thing. Um, just waiting for some people to come into the studio, I suppose. But uh, yeah, this is Dharmic X. And it's an unusual NW3 radio for us because the Stallworth Peter Oasis is currently MIA. Although by last update, he is making his journey from... West Fort Street, from the West Fort Street train station, and he should be here any minute. We also will have another guest joining us as well um, at some point, I believe. I've heard. That's what my text messages tell me, so that should be fun as well. A a, a guest who has come before, but we'll get into that should he make his appearance. In the meantime... Who's he bringing? No, no, Peter's not bringing anybody, but I think somebody else is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, I have uh, my friend here, Joseph Patel... Who hello, hello. has arrived after uh, some side trips and whatnot? <laughs> it's freezing outside, isn't it? It's freezing outside. Freezing. Yes. Um, it was. It was awesome. When well, there's tears in your eyes, it's. It's. I get dry eyes, so my t- eyes tear when it gets cold. Of course, yeah. of course. Especially the wind is so crazy old, right old now. Old man problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was. It was all good just a week ago. It was beautiful weather. It was all good three days ago. Yeah, and then now. Tropical. Not not so much. Yeah. Um, hold on one second here. Yeah, but are you checking text messages? I mean, Peter is texting <laughs> me, right? Peter's like, "Is the set done? Is the set done?" He's... You're on the air, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? You know, you've been around for a very long time, and you've traveled coast to coast. Kind of your story comes starts from the West Coast, and and then moves here to New York. Um, yeah. I, just give us the, the brief rundown. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm an old, old, old guy, but uh, try to stay as young as possible. But I started uh, 
writing about music uh, in high school, actually, back in Cali, where I grew up in Northern California, and um, for a friend of mine's uh, zine, first interview I ever did, first two interviews I ever did were with the Red Hot Chili Peppers and A Tribe Called Quest. Wow. Back in 88. No, 89. And... uh, then I started writing for, I went to college at UC Davis, uh, was on a radio show um, on the station KDVS, uh, was writing for magazines like uh, the Bomb Hip Hop Magazine and The Flavor, and uh, eventually Herb, and then The Source, and a bunch of other places. Um, started a record label with uh, some friends of mine at the radio station in Davis uh, called Soul Sides Records. It was home to DJ Shadow, Black Alicious, Lyrics Born. Um, moved to New York. I uh, was still writing about music for magazines, um, freelancing here and there, just getting my name out, and uh, then started working at MTV, uh, producing on MTV. I did I had a show called My Block that was like a hip-hop documentary show about regional hip-hop, um, and uh, then moved from there to Vice, was a producer at Vice, had a production when I left uh, a couple years ago. Now I'm at The Fader. And a magazine that I wrote for, I think first issue I wrote for was issue three, to a story on Daft Punk in issue three of the Fader magazine. <laughs> and uh, the good people over there, the place I've respected and um, couldn't work for nicer people, but uh, you know they've been a really respected magazine for 15 years, and my job there now is to help them grow into a global media platform. So um, got a good team together, uh, growing um, exponentially. And yeah. About to launch some offices internationally. Uh, got a strong video team. Um, doing a lot more video. About to get on TV. Um, it's cool. It's fun. Nice. I, I'm, I've been blessed to uh, to uh, have my job and my life bl- blend into one, and still uh, make a living and uh, do what I like to do. So, for those who are listening who don't really understand what's going on in the background of all this, maybe you can hear it. Peter has arrived. Peter, Peter has finally arrived. I started Live this. Live and direct. I, I started this mic break by myself in the studio, and then it went from one person yep. to yep. two to yep. four people. Yo, 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 yo. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I made it. I'm glad you made it too. You yo, invited me, Mr. Patel. Man, <laughs> it was a mission to get here, and then as I'm running, right. I realize when it's this cold out, it's impossible to run. Well, it's definitely possible. But uh, try running in this weather. Try doing anything this weather. Yeah, I, I just want to give a shout out to the MTA <laughs> for messing up my journey. What happened? Well, whatever happened, it it took a long time. And, and just like uh, Mr. Patel, I'm going to call him Jazzbo. Yeah. Just like uh, See, ja- he knows me from back in the day. So just, like Jazzbo's, just like <laughs> Jazzbo's journey. Place. Yeah, just like Jazzbo's journey in, in the uh, industry. <laughs> it, it probably wasn't always a smooth one. Yeah. But he got to his destination. And, uh, I had Indian parents. It wasn't smooth. We were talking about this off air. It's a, it's kind of fascinating. I had to ask him like what his parents thought of the whole journey. And yeah. Maybe you can, you can talk about that a little bit. I mean, it's like when, when I grew up, it was your my parents are from india i was born here and if you want to do anything other than the five things that they know about right engineer doctor lawyer finance i don't know what's that fifth one science yeah right and if you want to do anything outside of that they don't understand they think it's like oh it's your hobby and it's hard for them to even wrap their heads around it because in pop culture at the time they didn't see brown people in pop culture. So I was freelancing for magazines, and there's two things wrong with that to them. One is they don't understand entertainment as, an, as, a, as, a, as a career. They also don't understand, you know, what it means to be, like, they, there weren't brown people in pop culture then. There wasn't a disease and sorry. There wasn't Mindy Kaling. There wasn't people, you know, out there on TV who are brown. So they didn't, it was hard for them to wrap their heads around it. Now I think it's a little easier because you have those people in pop culture, but even still, they're just it's still not easy. You know, and and God bless them. Like they they come from a culture where like you know, they come from a culture where like you know their kids are supposed to be really ultra successful. So it was a real battle for me growing up. You know, when I wrote something for the Source for the first time, I think the first thing I ever wrote for the Source was a review of a Tribe Called Quest Midnight Marauders, right? Mm-hmm. Which 
Tribe Called Quest, one of my favorite groups of all time, anticipated album. I wrote the lead review for the source that issue. It was my right. first time in like an East Coast magazine, right? Or national magazine. I'm stoked, and my parents have no idea what the hell I'm <laughs> happy about, right? Like, it was really hard. And now they're like, do you know Aziz Ansari? Like, then they tell their friends, like their parent, their, their their friends, you know, who are, they're they're like, my son works in music, and he knows, he knows Mindy Kaling, he knows, and you're just like, what? You <laughs> he know? interviewed the president. Yeah, it's funny. Like, the it all made sense to my parents. Like, writing for magazines didn't make sense to my parents as a career. It all made sense when I got to MTV and I was producing TV shows, and they saw my name on TV, and they understood it then. And then it really came together. I was at MTV, and my last year there, I was the lead producer on Choose or Lose during the 2008 election. And I interviewed Barack Obama and all the candidates and produced shows around these. And two days before the election, I we did a, a interview with Barack Obama in Nevada, and two days later, he wins the election. And there's a picture of me and the president and the crew. Sway's in there. Sway did the interview, right? Mm -hmm. And... My parents, it was, it just came to fruition for them. Like they just like it, it all, it all crystallized for them. And they, my dad, took this picture I sent him, and he ran off like fifty color copies and sent them to all his friends in the U.S., <laughs> in England, and in India. He's like, "This is my son with the president." <laughs> and suddenly, like they were proud for the first time in my entire life. They understood it. They were proud, and I had an experience and did something that none of their friends, kids who were doctors, lawyers, engineers, scientists could could do. And you know, and now they support me, but it was a it was a battle. It was a real battle. But. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, it's still a struggle to this day in this generation as well. I mean, you know, I, I go through it all the time. I was talking about my own issues, freelancing, because the American dream... Oh, right. to, freelancing doesn't exist. Like, they don't understand what that is. The American dream <laughs> to an Indian parent is having a job, a, set, a stable job right. that makes you money, that At supports your company. family. Right. Yes, yeah. that they can name drop to their, yeah. their family, friends, and whatnot. Getting married at 25, yeah. The works. My son works for Bain & Company. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. the idea of freelancing for a music website and, and it do doesn't make any sense. To me. I, I'll, I'll, I want to say this one story. I told you this earlier, but yeah. I, it's like the highlight of my life, right? I moved to New York in 99, in March of 99. In December of 99, I had my first cover story uh, with Paper Magazine, and it was with D'Angelo. And it was highly anticipated record voodoo he put out at the time, and they put him on the cover of Paper. And I'd been writing for Paper a couple years before I even moved to New York. Uh, Eric Demby, shout out Eric Demby, Brooklyn Flea. He, he and I used to do a column for Paper. Um, and in New York, like the cover, it's D'Angelo, and he was like in a Speedo shirtless... Uh, oiled up and in and and it was a cover and it was voodoo and it was great and i was really proud of it and then i came home for for christmas or thanksgiving one of those holidays and i brought a copy to my parents and i realized i showed it to them like this is what i do you should be proud i realized outside of new york paper magazine to them especially that issue with d'angelo lying on a red under red lights in a speedo oiled up it looked like a gay porn magazine and they were just like horrified like they were like our friends were their friends were over and it was a family dinner and they were absolutely horrified and i suddenly realized oh right this doesn't make sense to anyone outside of new york this this looks like a gay porn mag to them they were it was like it was definitely a, a few steps back with my relationship with my parents. They, they were just like, what did we send you to New York to do? It was crazy. I can, I can only imagine. By the way, Peter, you missed the best phone call we have received. Guess who called, Peter? Oops. No. Oops might have called him. He just might have just missed him. But guess who called? Who? The one and only Aaron from Yonkers. Oh, no way. And he was very happy that you played the Smut Peddlers record. He Which didn't remember great, who it was. Record. Yeah, great. I'm. I'm glad I uh, catered towards the uh, thirty and over rap crowd. <laughs> <laughs> no, but th you included. Yeah, I know. But see, see a jazz ball, right? Thanks for having me on. By the way, I brought you something. Oh yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, the last time we we had this uh, something here, we had a uh, our friend Brent Rollins. I love Brent. And then and we were rocking for about forty minutes Brent straight. Brent is one of those people like unique talents in the world. So, so here's the thing, right? I was thinking about this on my way here, and you know, every every journey, you know, there's something you could take away from it. So I had to. Long story short, Jasbo, 
my train wasn't running. I decided <laughs> to take an alternate route, and that alternate route was to take the train out to Coney Island. What? And catch another train. So I, I get you up, went backwards to go forward. I went backwards to go forward. Oh, wow. So here I am in Coney Island, and I, I get off the train. Where do you I, live? Where you? Uh, I'm, I'm out in uh, Ditmas Park. Oh, wow. In uh, Flatbush. So what, whatever. I, I'm there, and um, I get off the train, and there are five men and women, five people wearing these orange suits. And on the back of their suit, it says a uh, homeless outreach. And I'm like, these people are really about it. Like yeah. they're here at yeah. Coney Island, the beach, on what could be the coldest day of the year. And that's exactly why they're out there. And they're out there, and and they're happy, and you know they have supplies and yeah. coats, and you know. And I was like, we're so blessed. Yeah. To go home tonight and to really be able to be somewhere, and um. You know, it's funny the decision to be here. Yeah, to even warm. be here, exactly. Yeah. And and I I want to thank you for coming up, man. I, uh, I and and I'm sure Dharma could tell you this. I I'm never late, and I think I've missed one show here. That's because I had this big birthday bash once. I would have been offended had you not shown up at all. Oh, I'm nah. even more blessed and 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 thankful that you were late and still made it. Yeah, I, like, and I appreciate you even having me on because I know we've been talking about it for a while. I don't get asked to do this a lot, but I love it. I used to do college radio in, at UC Davis. Shout out KDBS ninety point three. We used to have, it was me, Chief XL from Black Delicious, DJ Shadow, DJ Zen Jeff Chang was my mentor. Wait, DJ Shadow was the DJ? He was he was a D, he was a frequent guest on our shows. Wow, because KDBS used to be. It was UC Davis's college radio station, but it was 5,000 watts. So it was in Central California. We used to go from Vallejo all the way to like Sacramento and Tahoe. <coughs> and 5,000 watts for a college station is crazy. Yeah. We used to get people. We did a weekly show for four years. DJ Zen, Jeff Chang. Uh, if you haven't read his book, Can't Stop, Won't Stop, one of the best books written on hip hop history. He was our mentor. We formed Soul Sides Records around our shows at, at KDVS. Um, they had an amazing collection, uh, like 50,000 records, really, really just amazing jazz and funk and soul collection. Shout out to Marta Olveas, who was the music director before I got there. Um, we used to just go into the radio station Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights and listen to records for eight, nine hours at a time. And... That's where Shadow and Blacklicious and Lyrics Board and all of us beat junkies discovered Axelrod and like, you know, just breaks and beats and like that was our education. It yeah. was amazing. So I love being college radio. Yeah, college radio is great. Here's the thing I, t I told Dharmic. I was like, you know, I'm going to be up here and, you know, we could kind of approach it the way you did where we play, you know, music that we find and kind of showcase and... But here's here's really the thing. I know as as a fan of of college rap radio that mostly anything that I would want to do has been done and done way better than I could ever do it. And I told Darmic, I'm like, here's what we need to do. We need to get people like Joseph Patel, you know, Brent Rollins, exactly. Yeah. The the people who don't necessarily have a voice, who who have a name. And, and I think a lot of people know your name and they're familiar with your rep. But even Darmic was kind of like, I, I still don't kind of get what he does. I and don't I'm know like, what I do either. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's funny you say that because, like, you know, I used to I used to speak to a lot of high school kids in in uh, in the late '90s, and even when I, after I moved to New York, early 2000s, um, I used to speak to high school kids here and in Cali, and talk to them about career options because i wish i knew different career options when i was young right and a lot of kids they you know they want to be rappers or basketball players or whatever and and my what i would tell them is like if you're passionate about a thing just be the best at it and there's you don't always have to, there's always careers and jobs and opportunities to be good and be the best even if you're not the front guy so i would sit there and talk we you know they they knew about magazines but i was like these are people who have careers like these people write for a living they're writers and there's a guy who is the photo editor of, of vibe magazine there's a person who is chooses what the covers and takes the photos there's when you talk about if you want to be a rapper like one in a, a million people become a famous rapper there's the engineer there's the producer there's the record label person there's a and r so i would sit there and i would explain all the other <laughs> careers around 
the thing that they only knew knew about right there's the person who does marketing there's the there's the street marketing person like like it was really kind of awesome to, and the irony is that the people behind the scenes usually have a, a way longer lifespan longer lifespan right longer careers in the yeah. music business yeah. or, or in entertainment in general yeah but you know, know there's the thing about um, where'd you grow up I, I'm a New Yorker so you're a native New Yorker right am, yeah what about and you grew up in Boston Boston right? yeah there's a the thing about New York right first week I moved to New York in 99 about uh, four or five days after I moved to New York I went to go see a show at SOB's get a tap on my shoulder and it's uh, this guy says hey are you uh, Jasbo Joseph Patel and I'm like yeah he's like I'm John Caramonica I, I write for Herb Magazine and, and I was like oh yo like I know your byline like how do you know you knew who I was John by the way if anyone knows John Caramonica and his byline he has a knack he had a knack pre-internet like pre-Google he had a knack for knowing who the writers were and I was like how do, how do you know who it was he just had a sense we became best friends like from jump but he was like I got into writing because of you and I and he's a native New Yorker right and I was like yo like I just had this envy uh, right he I ended up he says he got into writing because of me something I wrote I think it was Razzcast or something I say I got out of writing because of him he was just <laughs> too good I, would, I knew I would never be that good but what's funny, like, he's a native New Yorker, and I remember when I first met him, I would pick his brain about what it was like to grow up in New York, right? For a lot of people who don't live in New York, coming to New York and making it and making a mark on New York culture and history, however you make your mark, that's, like, the most, that's, like, the best feeling in the world. Like, even before we we became tight, like, I knew your name and the shit that you were doing, the stuff that you were doing, and it was just, like, it was, like, epic, and, and that you made your mark you know what i mean and like college radio even in this form this day and age with the internet whatever like to have a forum where you can bring people and just do stuff you love is super important i don't think people realize how important that is like you could take you could go to japan and meet a bunch of people who are into this culture and 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 they would know who you are and there's that you know that's like a really kind of powerful thing yeah i i you know, and I tell Darmic this. I, I tell him like it's really a gift for us to be here yeah. on on FM radio in New York. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that alone. You know, I, there's there's a certain person I would expect to listen to this show or you know find it and whatnot and kind of seek it out. But then there's just the person who's driving in their car after a long day at yeah. work. And when we open the phones here, mm-hmm. we get those calls. We yep. get. You know, you get the, regulars. The, yeah, yeah. We get, yeah. Not only that, we get the city worker in New Jersey, you know, who's just on his way from his job late. He's in the car and he he feels, you know, he feels like he should call up and tell us that we're doing a good job or the guest that we have on is, is making him smile. And, and that alone is great. Yeah. Something like your like your show may not reach the same audience number that like a mainstream radio station will but you serious man why are you telling me i'm that? just saying i'm just saying <laughs> damn but, man you're but, breaking but my in heart a way, you, you you have more impact on someone's life than those stations right mm. like you, you there's someone who's really listening to this show on a regular basis or even catches it serendipitously who will hear something that they don't hear anywhere else i mean you like with all the streaming services and everything online you could find that stuff yourself but there's still something powerful in presenting something to somebody that they may not otherwise find right yeah your show does that but not only that like the people who listen to your show and the people who listen to college radio people who listen to community radio people who listen to online radio they are people who are more engaged with the world generally right mm-hmm. they're not just turning on what everyone else is turning on and my guess is you've probably either through a guest the music yourselves have made an impact on someone's life and encouraged them to do something they may not otherwise have been encouraged to do and that is a very powerful thing and that should never there should always be a place for that in the world because if there isn't, then the whole thing goes to pop. Yeah. You're listening to 89.1 FM WNYU. You may be listening to us on the FM dial. You could also listen to us on Stitcher. There's a live stream there, as well as our past episodes. Uh, you go on SoundCloud. That's easy enough. SoundCloud, NW3 Radio, or SoundCloud, You Must Learn. Uh, we're here. I'm Peter Oasis, Dharmic X. We have the one and the only, only and one, Joseph Patel, a producer in the music space with a history 
a, a long history uh, if you just tuned in. But you say producer, people think I'll make beats. I don't make beats. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a video producer. Well, speaking of producers, TV, video. speaking we, of, of actual we, we producers, had a producer, music producers, just slide in. I'd oh, like no. to intru- reintroduce Sebastian Sartor. Sebastian, how's it going? I don't know you, so it's good How to meet you. Good to meet yeah. you. Sebastian Sounds Joseph. like quite a story. Quite a story. <laughs> Hold on, can we turn this one up? Let's a little bit. Turn Sebastian up, Just a little man. bit. I think, okay, let's see. Well, so, so Sebastian hello, is, hello. is a great producer, yeah. and he comes through every now and then to hang out with us. He's a friend of the show. Cool. Yeah. He He's our DJ Shadow. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right? To sum it up. There you go. D- Joseph was telling us earlier... When he was on the air at, uh, is it UC Davis? Yes, KDBS. Um, DJ Shadow was a regular guest. and uh, We formed our label around uh, the radio shows on the college stations. Yeah. So you're our DJ Shadow, Sebastian Sartor. Wow. There I you like go. That's quite cool, actually. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. And what's funny, can I just say one thing? Like, mm-hmm. back in the day, when we did Soul Sides... I thought, like, I kept a box of our first release, right? It was what we called SS001, first release. I kept a box of those in my closet because I thought one day that would pay for my kids' tuition. Like, we believed in Shadow that much. Like, that was going to be a thing. And then, and I and I have records that I've collected for years and years, as I'm sure you have, right? And, and then one day you realize they're not worth anything anymore. <laughs> Vinyl's not worth anything anymore. The records used to sell at A1 for 40 or $50 now sell for 2 bucks because people don't care. But it's it, what, it, it, what, it, what it means to you is way it more is, important yes. than I'm yeah. sure. any sticker well, you can put on records, that record. The first two records mean something to me. The, re- the other 28, I thought, would pay for my kids' education. <laughs> I, I imagine that old DJ Shadow records probably have some value in this vinyl market right now. No, not at all. Really? Not at, all at, at its peak... Our first record on Soul Sides sold on eBay to somebody in Japan for like nine hundred dollars, and that was like early two thousands at its peak. Now you can find it for twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying you should have sold it then? I should have sold. You it waited then. way I too waited long. Waited way too long. Way too long. <laughs> now it's a penny stock. Now it's a penny stock. Yes. Now like bootleg culture, digital culture, mm. the people don't value the originals as much anymore. You know what? You know you know what actually has value now? Not vinyl, but CDs. Mm. Indie New York indie rap CDs sell for like 2, 300, 400 bucks. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. Like the fir- <laughs> the company the first company flow CD can get fetch about 300 bucks on eBay You better dig that up, Peter. From wherever it is in your parents' house or wherever you still have that CD. DJ Eclipse just entered the building. <laughs> Eclipse, I'm I'm gonna come by your house and take that CD box that you've had stashed <laughs> under your bed. Because I know you could care less about CDs, right, Eclipse? I, I gave away one box to a a, a a tweeter, but I have another one ready to go. <laughs> Man, he's just giving away the boxes of like two hundred bucks a CD. Hey, you heard it here from Joseph Patel. That CD that you've been hoarding in your mom's house in the shoebox that's worth something wow mm-hmm. i wish i had those cds i wish i had cds man i i wish i could see the five or six listeners who are going through their cds right now i know i know with, with their web browser open like hmm. you know who told me that you know Huasu. i don't know Huasu is a uh uh, professor at Vassar, mm-hmm. uh, writer for a lot of magazines, one of my best friends, uh, writes for Grantland, writes for a bunch of places. He, despite all his uh, academic and professional endeavors, he still is also a collector and, like me, came up through Herb Magazine. Um, he uh, is very good at selling his stuff on eBay, and he identified that 90s indie rap CDs that are now out of print are worth hundreds of dollars, whereas the vinyl versions of those records are worth tens of dollars. Joseph, can, can, can we go back a bit? Herb Magazine. Yeah. Okay, we, we spoke about being brown. Yes. Being misunderstood by our parents, or at least you guys. My my story is a completely Yours different, different story. Yeah. Yeah. But I want as a brown person, I want to tell you what Herb Magazine did for me. Now, Herb Magazine was one of the first magazines that I would purchase, and when I looked at the fas- fashion spreads, there were brown people. More importantly, yep. there were beautiful, beautiful brown, brown yep. women. Mm. Jasmine Vega. Do you re- do you know Jasmine Vega? Do you remember Jasmine Vega? Yes. Ex-former publicist. I don't know where she is right now, but she used to be 
one of the sexiest people in the world, but she was a model for Herb Magazine, but also a publicist for, I think, Virgin Records in the 90s. But yes. Herb Magazine was very, 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 very important. And, and for me, I would take the uh, you know pages out and, and take the brown girls out and put them on my wall next yeah. to my uh, nightclub yeah. flyers. Yeah. And it was something I could relate to. One, because not, not to say there aren't beautiful brown women in New York, because there are, but there's just something about an L.A. Mexicana. Is yeah. that how you say? Darmic, please translate for me. Chicana. I, I imagine. Oh, hey, Chicana. Chicana, yes. Sebastian, Chicana. please. Is it how you say? Chicana? Chicana. Mm-hmm. Chicana. Yeah. Okay, there, there's oh, something wow. about a Chicana. <laughs> racially ambiguous, even. Mixed race, racially ambiguous. And Herb Magazine yes. did that Did that for me. And that, you know what it was? And that same thing, that same vibe, was like Herb was the first magazine I read that was genreless or mm-hmm. mixed genre, right? You had hip-hop magazines, you had rock magazines, you had Spin and Rolling Stone, but they were pretty, primarily rock magazines. Herb Magazine was the first magazine I saw, not only coming from a different perspective from the West Coast, rave culture right but it was the first magazine that mixed jazz hip-hop house techno even indie rock right as in one magazine without subscribing it to a genre and putting it in buckets and their models were mixed race because that was the vibe of rave culture in california at the time right and herb magazine birthed people like cheo coker Right, uh, one of the one of the writers who I looked up to, uh, Jeff Chang. Um, um, uh, 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 who else? I mean, I came up through there. John Caramonica came up through. Hua Su came up through there. Um, you know, T Love came up through there. Um, yeah, it was a it was a special thing. Raymond Roker was the publisher. Um, I ended up having a lot of issues with Herb after a while, just because whatever inside baseball stuff but herb was that first magazine i saw that was not it was multi-genre and they and you're right the women in that magazine were amazing and they were of different races ambiguous races it was great now i I could usually trace what someone is doing today in the media space back to a magazine or a site of the 90s for instance you know i think platform.net kind of laid the groundwork for what the complex media network is now where there were you know five to ten different sites different brands under the platform umbrella when you look at herb what what can you kind of does herb still have its footprint in today's media or anything that you guys did at herb that that's still alive today i mean i feel like fader where i work now in a magazine that i really respected coming up is sort of herb 2.0 in a lot of ways right they took a lot of their cues from herb actually did it i feel like better than herb did um from a worldwide perspective not just a west coast perspective herb was very west coast right um i feel like herb was ahead of its time i think the the world was going to end up in a place where you have a complex fader vice whatever but herb did that before everyone else I think the 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 problem with that is they did it way out of its time. If Herb had come out five years later, they would have been the vice or complex or fader of media global media platforms, right? I mean, it's, I I worked four years at Vice, and my first piece in Vice was in 1996 or 1997. Like I've been, I, I wrote for Vice very early on. The the what they've become now is crazy. They're the next CNN, right? They're the next media empire. Mm-hmm. Complex is probably right after them. Hopefully, Fader will be right after that. But like, they're the new generation of media powers. Herb was too early in a way, right? They shut down publishing at a time when they probably should have accelerated it. Probably spread worldwide. I, I, How was their transition onto the web? Hard. I think that that's what lost them. Yeah. I mean, they they relaunched as a web only property for a while. I know mm-hmm. they've relaunched recently, but they don't have the traction that they once did. They pretty much when they shut down for a while they lost all the momentum if you in this day and age like if you are out of the public consciousness for two three years you're gone you're done that's why actually we was talking about phil jackson the other day right phil jackson's 11 rings don't mean anything to some kid today like he doesn't he doesn't care that phil jackson runs the Knicks. like phil's been out of the conversation for a couple years they don't trust phil like you know if you're a knicks fan and you're 18 you don't know who phil jackson is right like um i feel like herb when they went away and they and they came back it's harder for them you know 
Yeah, I think there's a fine line. I think some people do have that staying power, and and others. Yeah, and don't. timing is everything, right? Yeah. Like, like when you like you're you're young. You're the youngest guy in the room, probably. I don't know yeah, how old you are. I, I am. But but you're probably the youngest guy in the room. Like, what were the things that you read and encouraged you to go into this pursuit as a passion? Honestly, I didn't really read print magazines because I wasn't like I was. You were an too, online kid. Yeah, I'm an online kid. I'm a product of the internet. What were the things that made you think this was going to be okay as a career path? Honestly, nothing. But <laughs> but the first hip hop sites that I checked out were like allhiphop.com sure. and Hip Hop DX. Yeah, those were the first two publications or online sites that I like read. Not cocaine blunts. No, not cocaine blunts. Cocaine blunts is to this day the best hip-hop blog that ever existed yes Nas is, is amazing but yeah I, I didn't I didn't find that initially it was it was first DX and uh, all hip-hop and then eventually you know two dope boys I was I wasn't so much into reading as much as I was into just trying to find like new music yeah um so that's why I guess I didn't gravitate towards those type of places that that had the articles but DX had some good good uh, written work back then um, now not so much, but back then they definitely had a lot of essays and, and debate pieces and things like that, reviews I used to read pretty religiously. Um, and All Hip Hop too had a, had a point where it was pretty decent with what it did. I never, lo- it's funny, All Hip Hop, I, I give them a lot of respect because they found their lane, but now it's design wise kind of, yeah. it was horrible and it still is and it's just like it was funny to me but they calm down darwin we may need them to post our new song no but they, they were don't like post aggregator, they were aggregators before that became a thing right mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's the it's funny like like cheo coker was a guy who wrote for herb and the source and a lot of and and even the bomb hip-hop magazine sf Shout out Dave Paul, like SF only magazine. He's now an executive producer. He was on Southland, and now he's an executive producer on Ray Donovan, right? Wow. Carlito Rodriguez, who was a, a, an editor at the Source for a long time, is now a writer on on um, what's that show called? The Leftovers. <laughs> was that HBO show? Leftovers. That's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a writer on that show now, and 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 you know. Uh, Chris X, who was a longtime writer for Source and Vibe and Double XL, and all he's out in LA writing screenplays. Like, like I feel like the next wave of where hip hop is going to get out there in pop culture is what you see now with like Empire on Fox, mm-hmm. right? I, that show looks like soap opera garbage to me. Yeah, it doesn't look promising. The people who used to write for magazines, the people who used to do radio, the people who were artists, like their next waves to now make that dent in pop culture through TV and movies. You have Childish Gambino's show coming up, maybe. Yeah. He's trying to work on. Yeah, he's like, but he's an exception. Like, I feel like he's sort of a genius child, right? Like, he came up as like the smart 16 year old, right? Mm-hmm. Writing for, like, going to Harvard and like writing for uh, uh, 30 Rock and whatever, right? Like, yeah. he's. But yeah, you're gonna. I think you're gonna see. I think now more than ever, people in hip hop realize that they that that's where culture is. Even even pop culture, as much of hip hop is in pop culture now. Think about how how much hip hop informs pop radio. Like everyone knows who Drake is. He can host SNL. He can host the ESPYS. But you don't see that reflected in TV programming or movies, right? Not I think yet. the next wave is you're, you're going to see that now. Um, Adam Mansbach, right, who's a hip hop journalist for a long time, made a children's book, and he, like, he, he, you know, he'll do. My my guess is he'll do movies next, right? You see. Um, I don't know, you know, various people who who uh, are going to start pitching. Like, you'll see now that there's more outlets like Netflix and Amazon, whatever, besides just TV and cable, the people who want to talk about, express themselves through hip-hop culture are going to be making TV shows and movies next. Like, it won't be, hip-hop won't be just on Entourage, mm-hmm. right? It'll be like a very hip-hop-centric show. And I think that's cool for the culture, but I'm also really excited to see what the kids do next as a rebel rebelling against that you know see D- darmic I'm, I'm dragging you into an entirely different space <laughs> the old man space I, i'm dragging <laughs> old man peter with his <laughs> with, without, without without revealing too much uh too early i'm dragging darmic into the non-profit space oh yeah and um i i i am a hip-hop older hip-hop guy who doesn't necessarily want to get into something for the money Per se, well, I, I see a void in helping helping rappers and and people in the urban world who don't don't necessarily have help. So I, I think that that's that's w- what I want to do as a person. Right. 
You know, I, I've I've tried to do stuff like that. Like I've tried to do like off Broadway stuff with uh, my friend Sasha Jenkins and stuff like that. Sasha's another genius. Yep, and yep. Uh, I'm still working on a book, as Darmic knows, and and some of our audience knows. But I, I think the nonprofit world is is where where my heart is. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I like I came up in an era where hip hop captured my the the romantic idealist spirit of my of of me because it was not only rebellion right it was not only music of color and 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 different than the mainstream but it was rebellion (laughs) it was social and communal and it was it came at a time when i was like you know like like you know kids probably nowadays don't understand the impact public enemy made or bdp made but what it was it was not only just music that was great but it was fight music and it was the spirit that riled up inside of you that was like fight the system now when hip-hop becomes mainstream and accepted and you have this like you have things like iggy azalea versus azalea banks right which i think is a really important dialogue to have because i think what happens if you don't check it is that then it gets co-opted but the thing that's really important is at the end of the day like hip-hop culture will always be rooted in the black struggle in america Mm -hmm. and things like ferguson things like what's happening in New York right now, which is nuts, those are really just rooted in hip-hop. Ob- Obama's election is rooted in hip-hop. It's, re- it's, it's, it's a different worldview. And if, it, if you don't check it, it'll get co-opted and lose all its meaning. And I, I, the thing I loved about hip-hop when I fell in love with it, even as a kid, was just how rebellious it was. And I think the one thing that would be sad and a disservice to the future of society is if people don't use their wealth and power and influence to help others and to hear you doing a nonprofit to hear i don't even know what it is but to like i'm assuming it's altruistic and and helping others like that's a really important part that can make hip-hop's success and 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 the riches that come with that music and that pop culture what will make it different from what it is today is if you help others like um there's a woman jackie johnson who uh, is from Oakland, who now works at, with Al Sharpton. Mm-hmm. She used to run a thing when she lived in Oakland before she moved to New York um, that was a, a youth center in Oakland that brought artists in to teach kids how to use studio equipment, teach them technical skills, um, bring in people who are successful to come in without all the baggage, right? They would bring in Too Short and, and Mr. Fab and <laughs> Little B and E40. And people might look at that as oh those aren't good role models but they are like mm-hmm. the, here here's how to use a studio board here's how to learn stuff here's a place a safe space where you can go in a community like Oakland where it's violent or if you don't have an alternative you're just you're going to fall into some 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 other bad stuff here's here's a technical skill you can learn there's people doing this in Detroit there's people doing it here in New York but what what's the incentive i mean in a, a selfie driven world where everyone wants to be the star, everybody wants to be the star rapper, the star producer. Most, what is there an incentive for for people who? I, I think there'll always be a, a place for someone who wants to help, right? Well, that's the new rebellion: is finding success but still helping others. If you find success and just enjoy it yourself and don't help others, you're mainstream. If you, the new rebellion is finding success making your money and helping others like i give even props to drake like he came up out of nowhere from a place like toronto that didn't have a scene and against all odds made it because through hard work and talent his whole his whole crew is people he came up with and hopefully they'll help others they they concentrate sometimes corny sometimes hot like Mm -hmm. but they they focus all their efforts on toronto and that's great and that's what people have to do like mr fab who when the Bay Area had a moment a few years back, mm-hmm. he's still involved in the community. He's still, you know, making music, and he he may not find success outside of the Bay Area, outside of 510, but he also still gives back to the community, and I have mad respect for that. Bun B, for example, mm-hmm. one of the... Yeah. Someone who spends all his time helping others. Like, I remember going to Houston and hanging with Bun B just, just uh, for a couple of days. He spent the day and a half we, we went out papados we went like you know he was smoking weed and like driving around and we were seeing people in the studio but he also spent a day and a half volunteering at a homeless shelter and helping people who were put out by the hurricane down there and like and that was there was no cameras there was no publicity we were just doing it like i was just hanging out with him and he was just doing it to do it like there's people out there and that's 
those are the people now like if if all hip hop culture is going to be successful and be mainstream the people who are actually helping others in the community and realize that it's a, a, a social movement those are the people that like, like I get behind yeah, the, the, there is no incentive. And the, the people who do it with no incentive, those are the people you back. Man, maybe I'm crazy, guys, but you know, I, and I know this is, I know I'm going to sound like a punk for saying this, <laughs> but you know, every every Christmas, every holiday season rolls around, the most unlikely rapper to volunteer or to hand out blankets. Jim Jones handing out turkeys in Harlem. Right? Just shows up, right, yeah. once a year. Now, you can't knock it because he's there and he's helping, but at the same time, it's a photo op. You're yeah. like, okay, you're like, what are you doing? Well, you want to hear something, here's funny, something funny, which I always, I, this will, I will never forget this. When I was at MTV, we were, we did a series of packages on artists giving back to their communities around the holidays. There were people, you know, Jay Z gave out turkeys in in in, in 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 Brooklyn, and Nas was giving out turkeys in in Queensbridge, right? Ghost, we got a call. Ghostface Killer was giving out sleeping bags to the homeless at the Bowery Mission, and it was we went to go cover it. It was the craziest thing, because it, it was like acknowledging that they were homeless, acknowledging they were going to be cold, and giving out Wu-Tang sleeping bags that, <laughs> Wu -Tang du sleeping that bags, doubled as jackets. And I just remember thinking, his heart's in the right place, and maybe he doesn't know how to express it the way best to express it, but his heart was in the right place, so you couldn't be mad. This is 89.1 FM WNYU. Yo, Sebastian Sartor is Yo. here. Very quiet tonight, man. Very quiet. No, it's so beautiful, like listening to this and then like some really great opinions I, I think it's so important your time man I'm sorry no 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 not, not at all uh, Darmic X is here the halftime show's coming up with DJ Eclipse as always Darmic yes yeah I, I cannot jump on this mic and, and I don't want to take Joseph's time or your time or Sebastian's time but I want to give a, a, a crazy rest in peace shout out that just sounds crazy to Mario Cuomo yes your um, your uncle yeah. I believe who's a a a family are you related who is a family who is family really um i want to say rest in peace to mario cuomo we started off the show although i didn't hear it because it's i was Scott. stuck on the train with uh one of mario's more oh, popular right. no, speeches the from the uh democratic convention i believe that was 1980 i can't pull it out of my head right now but i want to give a shout out to mario cuomo and the family of Mario Cuomo. And Darmic, yes. the city right now, the police are not doing their job. It's it's interesting. Um, but the city hasn't fallen apart yet. No, it hasn't. Part of it is it's really cold. It's, it's cold. Too, too cold yeah. to do anything. <laughs> yeah. But also, I think it now, shows... If this, wait, if this happened during a bed hot summer... I think you would see a little bit more chaos. Um, not saying the city would unravel, but I think you would see a little bit more chaos. Summertime But, but you know what, though? That. Like, it's stupid and childish for the police to do that. Yes. So yeah. it, is, it is tearing at the sort of social contract. Like, they took a small slight. When de Blasio said what he said when Eric Garner got, got murdered, and he said about what he tells his son, the police took that as an affront. Mm -hmm. They basically mm -hmm. took it as an excuse to exercise all their racism. Right. And I, when de Blasio said that, I remember hearing it thinking, wow, this is great. Politically bad, but... It was pitch perfect for a politician. Like, you wanted Obama to say something like that, but he didn't. And the boss did. Give him props. It's probably politically stupid. The police are acting like children. Like, like yeah. acting like children. I think ultimately, police have to realize they're taking an oath to protect society, right? They're, they are, by doing that, you are saying that you are willing to sacrifice certain things in order to protect this country and, and the people. You are serving people, essentially. Not even the country, the city. The, right, the, the city. The, the local municipality, people. yeah. And so by doing that, you are offering yourselves to protect people and and the attitude of some of these officers seems a little contradictory to that oath that they have sworn i'm not saying that they shouldn't be respected i mean you know if you're doing your job you 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 deserve respect everybody deserves respect but you are asking you know you are doing this you are you are putting yourself in this position and it is your duty to you know uphold the the society that we live Joseph in. Joseph Patel, put your two cents in. You have 60 seconds. They got insulted and they went to an extreme reaction mm -hmm. where they basically have given up doing their jobs. That is 
not only childish and immature, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is, they're playing a political game and it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, is that there are other ways to, fi- to, 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 to protest and, and, and file their grievance. And this is not the way. Young Sebastian Sartor, yes, we sir. want your opinion on the uh, police slowdown. Well, I, you know, I think it's it's about being part of a community and not above a community in a sense. You know, I think it's it's very important to interact with the community in, in a peaceful manner and also like to show support of the community. Where Rather, are you from? I'm from Italy originally. Originally, yeah. Well, this stuff in, happens in Italy in, all the time, right? It happens. It happens there a lot. I think I think there's like different different problems. I lived in England for a long time, and over there there's a there's a there's a better sense of it in my opinion. In England, people subscribe to the community no matter what their grievances are. They'll never go this far. No. Yeah. Although there was the London riots, I think, what, 2008, 2009? Yeah, uh, 2010. Maybe, okay, yeah. It's called an uprising, not a riot. Yeah, they were were pretty full on, but it was was in in a reaction due to to an excessive amount of force from the police. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one instance. You know the best thing that came out of that was? That Plan B video. That was amazing. (laughs) And the whole film? That was amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Yo, the halftime show's coming up. I am Peter Oasis. I want to thank, we have five minutes, I want to thank Joseph Patel, a.k.a. Jazzbo. Joseph, I want you to come back again. Anytime. We're going to spend more time talking. I also, I'm also quite honored that you have the halftime show coming on right after this. This is awesome. You know, I, I think most of our audience is just here because they want to hear <laughs> DJ Eclipse play the new <laughs> DJ premiere record, to be honest. Is this the Doom record? Uh, no. No, 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 not yet. I want to hear that Doom record. Yo, check it out. Um, Sebastian Sartor, I want to thank you for coming, although you didn't get much time on the mic. Oh, no. Because I hogged all your stuff, man. I'm sorry. Jeez. I know. And, and and I just want to um, I want to announce that coming up next week we have a young journalist by the name of Brandon Jenkins. He goes by the name of Jinx. He is the male version of Emily, Emily Oberg, who is a <laughs> frequent guest here on our show. She's a regular. Uh, we have Brandon coming up next week, and I'm very happy to see him. I am very mad right now. You may not hear it. I'm upset. So I have two minutes to rant. Okay. What are you mad about? Okay. So Tell t- them why you mad, tonight, son. tonight at the Apple Store, the great Combat Jack, who is a friend of our show and yeah. a friend of mine. Shout out Combat Jack, Premium Pete. Who who was up today at the Apple Store. Now that's where that's, what he's that's mad about. where my grievance starts. I just want to say it, it's it's not an El- Elliot uh, in per- in particular. I just want to say that whoever booked that show, I, I would like to just recommend to you that you look outside of the norm when you're booking anything. Uh, Elliot's great. He has a great platform, and he he's a uh, he's a, a known name in the rap community. But to be honest, I didn't want to hear Elliot Wilson interview Combat Jack, who, in my opinion right now, is at the top of his game. He's I, killing it, right? I, I think maybe Anderson Cooper would have been better for that. Maybe even Sway. Or <laughs> even info. Joseph Patel would have been good for that. Or even Minya. But I think you had another point that went along with it about Youngblood and maybe somebody like a Jinx interviewing Combat Jack. No, you know who should have interviewed Combat Jack is Nas. There you go. <laughs> see? <laughs> Cocaine Blunts. Look, Nas, look. yeah, that would have been amazing, although N- he's in the West Coast. Not nasty Nas. But not Andrew, nasty Nas. Andrew Nas. Andrew Nasnitsky. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I am a supporter of, of the new generation, and I want them to shine. And if I was still in the business of, of creating live, live shows and whatnot, I would personally reach for the phone and maybe call some, some new Jack. I, I would probably even call you Darmic. Thank you. Thank Yo, you. I'm going to send you something. Craziest photo I've ever taken in my life. 2008 Democratic Convention. I have a photo of Sway, Bun B, and Anderson Cooper together. Oh, man. That's See? amazing. That's you. That's a throwback Thursday right Smoking there. And, and that, Not Smoking Bloods, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, and, and that's how you end a show. NW3 Radio, also known as Now Where Worry, is available on the internet. Sebastian Sartor, our star producer, who will be back next week, hopefully. Oh, Sebastian, where do, where do we find you, Sebastian? At Sebastian Sartor on all your platforms. What's the latest project you're working on? Spell Sartor. S-A-R-T-O-R. There. You have, tricky one. You have some tracks on an, an album now by the name... What's the guy's name? Ga- Gashi. Gashi. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm hopefully trying to... I have you here because I'm trying to drag you into some, some other nightmare rap situation where we can make, make hits. Let's do that again. 
<laughs> let's not do that again, but let's do something a little more productive again. All oh, right. wait, I'm going to say one last thing. Any Soul Sides fans out there and you want a copy of the first thing we ever made, which was a cassette with DJ Shadow's first single on, or, or first single for Soul Sides on the A side and Lyrics Born when he was known as Asia Born on the B side. 400 of these were made. Only 200 were ever sold. I've got 200 in my crib. I'm giving away 10. <laughs> the first 10 people that email Joseph Patel that tweet at thefader.com. At tweet. Tweet it. Well, because my sh- my stuff is like locked. Okay. It's email at, email Peter, actually. Tweet at Peter. First 10 people that tweeted <laughs> tweet at Peter01 will get a copy of this cassette. Yo, and, and I, I saw, I don't want to ruin this for the halftime item. show, but I saw the legendary Marco Polo out there. Yes. My favorite Canadian next to uh, my girlfriend, Kelly Green. Ah, so he's, he's got to be Marco Kelly, Polo's here, which also means there's a cigarette in the area. <laughs> Ten cigarettes. And last, last thing, honored to be in the same room as DJ Eclipse. This is amazing. Eclipse, man. You're 90s me. and forever. Shouts to John Caramonica. Yes. The halftime show is coming up. Darmic, thank you. We made it. Thank we you, did. Guys. We made it. You made it on time at some point. Next week, Brandon Jenkins, Jinx of uh, Complex TV. We're out. Play the outro.